Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned in to the first episode of 2020, the first episode of the new decade, episode 172 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. So it's been a couple weeks. Uh, hopefully, you guys had a great Christmas, a great Kwanzaa, uh, an amazing Hanukkah if you celebrate that. And if you don't celebrate none of that shit, hopefully, you had a great time being off of work. Happy New Year. Uh, hopefully, you guys had an amazing New Year's. And um, yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see. What did I? I got some good stuff for Christmas. I got uh, a lot of fly shit for Christmas. It was a pretty dope Christmas. It was uh, me and the wife exchanged some fly gifts. Uh, I got her a very expensive uh, wallet, designer wallet, you know, uh, leather wallet, and it was it's pretty fly. And then she got me a um, a Nintendo Switch uh, Lite, so the handheld version of the uh, of the Nintendo Switch with uh, the video game Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. And so I've been playing that nonstop, and I just beat it. Uh, beat the campaign so now i'm about to go back through and try to unlock some secret characters on that and it was one of those things where we're like you know it's just the last christmas you know before the baby comes so we can just ball out on each other one last time you know because you know next is up is just you know basically just focusing on our baby girl and you know spoiling her in a good way and uh yeah so it was dope you know i got some good gifts from uh my family and from my in-laws too and uh yeah it was it was a dope christmas and it was nice just having two days off in a row just because of how christmas eve fell on my normal day off and then christmas having that off so that was just amazing just having two days off and just kicking it you know with family and friends and stuff like that so that was always amazing and then you know seeing my got to see my little niece and all my nephews and stuff like that so that was dope it was amazing so now it's like grind time you know our baby girl be here in a couple months um so it's just getting everything ready you know the nursery is ready um got a got a little changing table for her and you know the cribs ready and everything like that and her whole her whole room their nursery is already set up is ready to go um now it's just you know got the baby shower coming up and i think that's in february sometime and yeah i'm excited just uh it's tuesday today you know i always try to record on tuesdays and we just left the doctor's appointment and it's crazy because my wife is at what like 28 weeks or something like that and uh we was looking at the averages and our our baby girl is at the 73 percentile in weight she's about to be a big girl she already had three pounds i'm just like god damn because uh they were saying that she should be around uh two, two a little bit over two pounds but this girl she already had 3.1 pounds and uh she's 
ultrasound looks good you know my wife's doing real good real healthy she took that uh gestational diabetes test when you got to drink that uh that sugary drink to see how your body processes and she passed that with flying cuddlers uh you know blood pressure is good just everything is healthy with my wife and the baby so i'm excited um you know that's all i just been thinking about and worrying about um but yeah that's pretty much uh all i've been up to in these past couple weeks you know just doctor's appointments with the wife and just grinding uh you know getting ready for uh you know this this decade to come actually you know i wrote down some goals for 2020 but i really need to write down you know goals for this next decade as y'all should be doing too hopefully y'all already did that and um yeah so let's go ahead and uh you know just get started on that good old summer damn jam screen i missed talking to y'all so you know i missed talking to y'all hopefully y'all missed hearing my dumb ass uh you know kick some game to y'all and you know give you my point of view on things that's happening in the world but uh let's go ahead and get started so first things first we have to um say uh rest in peace to the homie steve mercer um, that's the brother who owns uh, Time Out Chicken. Uh, Time Out Foods is the official name, but Time Out Chicken, that's a chicken spot here in uh, Omaha that's been around since the 60s. Uh, but the Mercer family, uh, his people, uh, Steve Mercer folks, they bought it back in 72 from Swanson Food Company because Swanson was the food company was basically trying to invest in uh, black areas, you know, back in the 60s to kind of like... Um, basically try to get the ball rolling on um you know black businesses in north omaha and you know they had like uh, bob boozer and uh gibson out out there promoting and stuff like that but then the mercer family they bought it from uh the swanson company and then they used their own personal this is a family recipe for fried chicken and they also you know got some delicious ass burgers uh the turnover slap and uh the dirty rice is cool and um but yeah but it's always about the chicken and the burgers and get a strawberry pop that's what it's always about the line is always goddamn eight to 15 cars deep out and out damn near into 30th street and it's just you got to get to that motherfucker right when they open just so you can you know get in and get out but it's just like god damn like the food is delicious but there's been times where i've been sitting in the drive-thru and I'm like, yo, it's probably even, it's probably quicker to go in. And it's, there's been times when I just hop out, park, hop in, get my order, and I'm out. And then I see the, the car that I was, you know, that I was in front of, or the car that I was behind. That motherfucker just now pulling up to the damn uh, speaker to give his order. So the the line is terrible. The line is there is terrible, but it's a staple in the hood. It's a staple down north. Uh, that's what we call the north side of the city down north. The east side, northeast side of uh, the city of Omaha is down north. But uh, rest in peace to that man, uh, the brother Steve Mercer, because he actually bought it from his folks when he was actually in his early 20s or whatever. So, um, and I think his mama still be working down there. His family still down there working. Um, so it's still business as usual. But rest in peace to that brother. He passed, uh, I think, uh, near Christmas, around Christmas, which sucks. And he was only in his 50s. So that sucks. Uh, so black men, please, you know, they didn't say his cause of death, but, you know, black men, we got to really start taking care of our health and just paying attention. I know uh, it reminds me um, all the time of this comedian I saw on Chocolate Sundays. He was talking about um, at the Laugh Factory. He was like, 
you know, black don't crack. He's like, we look good for our age. Black don't crack, but it hurt, don't it? You know, we'd be out here looking amazing and stuff and looking young. But, you know, we got to start getting those regular checkups and things like that and start doing that pre preventative care, you know. Um, so still rest in peace to that man. And uh, y'all still show up and show out to support uh, Time Out Chicken. Um, and speaking of folks who died, uh, that uh, that nappy-headed hoe Don Imus died. He died, what was that, a little bit before, what was it, right after Christmas or some shit like that? If y'all don't know who Don Imus is, he was the radio uh, disc jockey who's been on for decades. He was a staple in conservative radio, and uh, he caught a lot of flack back in the early 2000s, about, what was it, about 2007, something like that, 2008, around that time. 2006 7 or 8 i can't remember but when he was uh talking about that women's basketball teams and he called them nappy headed hoes and all this other shit and then every fucking news channel from fox to cnn to oprah wanted to start talking about uh rap music like don imus conservative ass was out here bumping some beanie seagull back in the early 2000s and that made him say nappy headed ho like you know what i'm saying so it always it, the, the trick bag always it always works when a white person uh, of some kind of influence or in some kind of entertainment business gets caught up slaying, saying something very bigoted they always bring out you know the the rap music you know they always bring that up the hip-hop culture and they always get some old negroes on there and then some uh young nigga that don't know no better some mush mouth nigga that don't know no better you know up there mumbling and stuff I'm like well that's just how we talk and blah, 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 blah. instead of focusing on you know racism white supremacy and i think i believe even oprah was out here on that bullshit too you know she's been looking funny in the light lately just how she's about to do a damn documentary on uh, Russell Simmons and she ain't keeping that same energy for uh, Harvey Weinstein. That's that's just weird. You know, she she was promoting the Leaving Neverland Ranch, uh, you know, that documentary. And now she's about to do one on uh, with the Me Too movement, but it's going to focus on um, Russell Simmons. Like Oprah been looking kind of funny in the light. Like I'm just I'm not saying that she shouldn't do that uh but she needs to you know keep that same energy for her close friend and i forgot what that sister's name was that black model who was uh, a victim of weinstein and she said that oprah was actually you know that's how oprah introduced her to him you know and was telling her that he's not a bad guy and all this other shit and so she was you know she, she was kind of distant trying to distance herself from harvey weinstein by just saying being mum you know ain't saying shit about it so oprah been looking funny in the light for years but during that don imus thing you know she had a segment on her on one of her shows i don't think the oprah network with the own network was launched yet so she was still doing her daytime show and she was you know basically you know talking about well we have to stop saying it too and you know shit like that i love bread but <laughs> <laughs> but you know just saying just goofy shit but they the, the the tactics never change when uh ever since you know the the hip-hop community and just shit like that uh since hip-hop has started you know just when uh and became a mainstream uh entity it never fails when a, a, a white man goes off the deep end and you know says something just just utterly racist 
then you know it's like oh well what about you niggas you know let's let's talk about you niggas you know let me open this coon door and you know see which niggas gonna come out here you know that's what it always boils down to you have black folks up there defending hip-hop and shit like that and it's like the like like uh when uh richard uh kramer when he was like he's just a nigger get the nigger out of here you know when he was at the lab factory talking greasy you know this is like was his myspace days and people had like flip phones and cameras and shit like that well you know when it was just you know the pixelation was terrible but they got him on camera doing that shit michael richards and then that's all that was on tv then talking about hip-hop and rap well you guys say it in this and that and it's just like uh we gotta focus on this this the original incident okay i doubt michael richards was bumping some dmx on his way to the lab factory and call some some folks some niggers you know what i'm saying and so uh yeah and so don imus you know he he passed away he was 72 he got off the air probably what three years ago or something like that and you know what's cringeworthy is there's an old clip of dl hughley um you know defending don imus on um jay leno and that is to see where he is now to back then like he still you know kind of be looking funny in the light defending some some so-called free speech but yeah he went on uh he went on Jay Leno back then and he was talking about how they made, you know, Don Imus wrong. They ain't hoes, but they sure was nappy headed or something like that. I was just like, oh, you just came right on through that coon door like, hey, ho, you know, it was just like, ugh, ugh. DL, you was looking mad funny in the light then, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, but Don Imus died. And what was amazing to me is not only has he said vile things about you know black women he you know he also was uh he also was shitting on that sister who uh did those pbs debates and the photo not the photojournalist but the journalist gwen eiffel you know uh, he called her the the help may she rest in peace and shit like that then he used to have like anti-semitic uh statements about howard stern they used to be going back and forth and i don't give two fucks about howard stern um but you know he was saying vile shit about you know jewish folks and and what's amazing to me is um you've seen all these uh these journalists these so-called journalists who uh works for like so-called liberal uh networks and shit like that celebrating him on twitter and facebook and shit like that and i'm gonna tell you what um you know it just lets you know exactly how a lot of these so-called liberal journalists feel about non-whites in the country no matter how liberal they appear to be once them cameras are on record uh what's the other one the, the morning joe guy joe scarborough whatever he had some kind words for him and it's just like you know a lot of times they see them old races and it's like oh this reminds me of you know my uncle such and such or you know this is how i talk with the guys you know when it's just you know me and my buddies and you just like god damn you see what i'm saying and uh so it, it doesn't surprise me you know a lot of times when you see some of these so-called liberals from these uh from these news stations you know kind of going off and you know being caught up in uh you know storms of uh you know doing some racist bigoted shit or some real sexist shit because they just be playing nice for the cameras and get them goddamn ratings that's what it is um excuse me let's see what else going on here so npr ran an article or they kind of piggybacked off of an article uh, out of st louis um well i guess it was public radio uh but they were talking about how some data 
from the uh, Federal Reserve, the latest data was like from like 2014, and it was talking about how uh, the article is new, but the data, the latest data is from 2014, from about six years ago. It was talking about how black business owners have to resort to like micro loans and crowdfunding due to big banks denying them loans at a higher rate uh, than other racial groups. Now, this is fascinating to me. So uh, the data showed that just about 25% of whites had their uh, their loan proposals denied. Uh, about 32% of natives and Alaskans, Native Americans and Alaskans had theirs um, denied. 35% of Asians had theirs denied. 39% was, was Hispanic, you know, of Hispanic des descent. Uh, and with black folks, it was a whopping 53% percent. I said that country is hell, didn't it? That's the Mississippi rules coming out. 53%, uh, 53% uh, of black folks. So this is more than half. So only 47% is getting their loan proposals actually approved. And it was talking about uh, there was a brother who had uh, they focused the article focused on a brother who had some uh, sauces, um, some barbecue sauces. And he was talking about how the credit score is like, you know, his credit score is like 760 something. The company doesn't have any debt. They pay off, you know, all their bills on time and shit like that. Wrote up some amazing proposals, even had some help from uh, some uh, groups that help black businesses write up proposals for loans. And, you know, they're still out there getting denied. And I was just like that, that this is another reason why, you know, black Americans, foundational black Americans, American descendants of slaves, whatever you want to call us. And that beef is just it's just silly as fuck. It's nothing but egos. That FBA ADOS shit it, it, It's just nothing but egos. And this is why. You know, one of the reasons that I just feel like, you know, we really can't get it together because of egos. You know, it's like, well, what do we call our? We we're stuck in the whole. Well, what do we call ourselves? You know what I'm saying? So we up here arguing about that. You know, people calling ADOS. You know, uh, LGBT groups. Uh, uh, they calling them that and just all this other shit. I mean, the, I mean, you can't deny that there's going to be those people the lgbt the rainbow flag coalition they're part of you know the lineage you know what i'm saying so that's just me just going off on different tangent but i'm gonna just say black americans um you know descendants of slaves um descendants of enslaved people i guess i'll just say that um doe you know descendants of enslaved people doep dopes but um yeah it's just egos just the arguing back and forth and you know people releasing financial statements and shit like that it's just nothing but like youtube egos you know going at it which is goofy because you know once the movement first started it was like okay let's put our put some pressure on these politicians next and then niggas was talking about you gotta vote down democrat and you like wait what the fuck wait i thought we was you know actually weaponizing our vote to you know actually get you know some tangibles from a presidential candidate but it's whatever it's just you know that shit happens all the time when we start getting on that same page and you know getting ready to you know deal a blow 
to the system of racism white supremacy it's always something just minute and stupid comes in and gets us in fighting with each other it's just the silliest shit right but anyways i'm saying that um not to go off on that tangent but this is another reason that you know descendants of enslaved people we need you know reparations and not in the form of like college education or something like that we need a cold hard check you know cut the fucking check you just see shit like this all the fucking time business loans uh housing discrimination you know home loans uh being denied and shit like that lower wages uh black folks being phased out of jobs to put hispanics in because they work at a lower wage and they don't know any better because they barely speak the language we've seen so many stories of that happening what was that down there in southern texas at uh different hotels like hotel chains they would end up firing a bunch of black folks and then all of a sudden you know they start bringing in a bunch of hispanic folks who barely could speak english and they paying them at like half the hourly wage that the black folks was getting so you just see this in unfair um you know uh, labor practices and shit like that so it's one of those things where we really need to stop this bullshit ass infighting and just kind of look around and just be like yo this shit this ain't working this is not it you know what i'm saying and then other folks are talking about well, reparations should be you know federal job guarantee and all this other shit and they, uh, that's cool but cut the check first you know what i'm saying break bread first that's all that it is that will solve a lot of problems and then what's amazing to me and fascinating to me is all of these politicians they just be out here just bumbling and fumbling well i don't know where we're gonna get the money but all of a sudden you got these intricate ass plans to uh wipe out student loan debt to uh ensure health care for all uh you got this plan to uh you know do some shit um some uh daycare and uh you know child care for you know infants up to five years of age you have all these intricate plans and we have all this money for uh we can you know well i'm gonna tax the billionaires the millionaires the people who make over 50 million dollars uh, you know on that 50 millionth and one dollar i'll tax it at you know just this percent blah 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 anything over 50 million dollars or uh we got all this money just held up in the reserve trillions of dollars to bomb a fucking country like we're looking at what's happening uh with iran right now warn with them all of a sudden we can free up two trillion dollars for that but you can't even take care of the black folks here who built the country who are descendants of enslaved people who built the country who built that wealth of that two trillion dollars you know what i'm saying so don't fall for that hype when these politicians be out here talking about what well, 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 what does it look like we have to study it first and blah 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 and all that other shit no you just need to cut a fucking check that's what you need to do there's been studies done you know there's a un um study united nations study that says yes black folks in america they need reparations in the form of cash payment that's what it boils down to and we still facing all this goddamn police terror and uh just so much discrimination and hate but these politicians they just be out here well, what does it look like well i just you know or they just won't or they'll just go off on a different story or they'll play the uh, whole minority card oh blacks have been treated so bad in this country so what i'm going to do for minorities and it's just like no hold on there buddy a minority and i've said this a billion times before a minority is everybody except for a straight white man in this country that's what it boils down to 
and then you got these folks out here uh circling their wagons some of these pundits and some of these you know these crazy ass conservative talk show hosts you know they're talking about how multiculturalism is a threat to the country and all this other shit because they know that their numbers are dwindling and they built this this crazy ass system of racism white supremacy you know based on the color of your skin and you know how you born is the color of your skin that you can't you know it's all just teams it's, you know it's teams your, your skin color is your team right and then they then they uh you know it's not even a fair grounds for competition and shit like that you know they just throwing dirt in your eyes and whooping your ass you know at the same time it ain't you can't shoot the fair one and so they know that their numbers are dwindling so now they're just like well multiculturalism that's killing the country blah 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 blah. we need to you know stop letting in so many immigrants and all this other shit which i get i understand that you know you scared because you you didn't built this whole system to in your favor to win and you ended up losing because y'all ain't having enough kids you know what i'm saying to rebuild the population you didn't built the you didn't rig the system in your in your in your favor and you failing you know what i'm saying so i understand that frustration there um but you know black folks we just gotta man we just really have to get on this same page man we really have to just get on this same page and don't fall for the the okie doke of benign neglect that's basically where they just ignore you just ignore you and then the other one is the minority game when they start saying that shit like i'm a you know i'm a issue you know small loans to uh you know all sorts of uh you know minority business owners and shit like that and then the other trick bag is you know when they start talking about helping everybody and so it's one of those things and um who said this dr claude anderson said this and he has an amazing interview on a breakfast club i, I love that they actually put that brother on there um but he was talking about just you know if the government start handing out a dollar you know to everybody at the same time it, it's still gonna be the the racial inequality gap still gonna be there because this person got five hundred dollars and then i got zero dollars so the government give both of us a dollar they got five hundred and one dollars and i got one dollar you see what i'm saying so it just that rising tide lifts all boats that shit does not work trickle down economics does not work at all and if we were all on the same page we could really just be you know moving like the mob and just buy up shit you know what i'm saying we could just really like we have some great amazing spending power and i hate when people say you don't have spending power i mean you look at how many brands we done made hot you know how much money we actually spend during the holiday seasons in the summer with travel you know black folks we do have some money there is there don't don't listen to these niggas talking about well black folks ain't got no money you know it's is we do have money it's just we don't have the the systems in place to keep recirculating that money so the wealth can build right because our money just leaves our community just right off rip you see what i'm saying but if we were all on the same page and we really started just connecting and this goes up to the the, the richest black folks on the planet down to the corner boys you know what i'm saying them street runners and we all just really really just came out like bam here's a black agenda right here right now and we just start buying off these politicians man we man our situation would be amazing here in the states but i just feel like i'm rambling but i just hate when i see stories like this when you know black folks are out here just doing their thing thriving and they want to expand their business like this brother who has these sauces um 
and the name of the company it'll be in the uh the link that i post in the show notes because it's slipping me now but the brother he you know he's generating a bunch of revenue he's in stores all across the midwest and he can't you know get a fucking loan so he had to get a micro loan um from a, a business person in st louis who works with black businesses and uh the main reason that he wanted that that business loan is to expand to actually hire more employees so he can get more churn out more of them sauces and that's what's just fucked up because they know that a lot of times you know with these black businesses they don't want to see black folks just coming up these big banks don't you know what i'm saying they don't want that they don't want that you know that boardroom you know looking a little you know looking a little darker you see what i'm saying because i mean financial freedom is the ultimate freedom in, in a, such an evil capitalistic country but uh i just feel like i just been ranting but i missed y'all and uh you know how i feel about y'all i love y'all but uh i'm gonna leave it to my nigga hove um hove i need you to put them billions where your mouth is i ain't talking about all of it but help us create a super pack but i know you won't do it uh you'll just wrap some fly shit and then we'll just bob our heads so my nigga hove what you gotta say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen. I smoke rocks. I smoke rocks. All right, thank you, Tyrone Biggums, for that lovely intro of selling hope like dope. Um, normally I say selling hope like damn dope, but you know it is what it is. New decade, new me. I'm just fucking with y'all. Uh, this is truly selling hope like damn dope. Uh, there was a story that was ran um, by WBUR, uh, and they ran a story, and it says Black Americans were prescribed opioids less frequently because of racial bias. Um, according to a recent study published in uh, Epidemiology, um, with analysis by the New York Times, the upshot, it estimated that about 14,000 Black folks would have died from the opioid crisis had they been prescribed drugs at the same rate as their counterparts. So um, Dr. Kolodini, Kolodny, K-O-L-O-D-N-Y, I say, I think Kolodny um, is, a, is a director of opioid policy research um, up there at Brandeis University. And he uh, was talking about that doctors prescribe opioids uh, to fewer black patients for a few reasons. And, um, and it's basically it's saying that, you know, doctors are less sensitive to black patients pain and some worry that black patients will become addicted to or sell the medication. I mean, shit jokes on you, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? You just look at it now. You just say 14,000 lives right there. You know what I'm saying? Um, and a study in back in 2010 found that white Americans were, uh, were twice as likely two times as likely to receive an opioid prescription uh over black americans and pharmaceutical companies began aggressively marketing you know opioids in white rural areas back in the 90s and um so basically this is an instance where you know stereotyping um you know being prejudiced actually had a protective effect so to say so to speak on uh, us black americans um, but what sucks is, you know, just dealing with all that pain, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's one thing that sucks. So if y'all can, you know, get y'all a black doctor, um, or a black nurse practitioner 
you know what I'm saying, that can really, you know, look out for you. Because this trend will probably continue. They'll keep on shoving them opioids down them white folks' throats and then uh, keep on dismissing our pain. Um, so if you can, uh, there's always clinics in uh, black areas. I know we got like Charles Drew here. And, uh, you know, you have staff that is sensitive to black needs. So make sure y'all just kind of be on that and, you know, just be sharp, though, because them opioids will fuck you up, man. Um, shit, when I, uh, I had a root canal, shit, I had a few of them. I got, I got a, no, I got a, a few crowns put on or whatever after the root canal and shit. And when they put you on the meds and shit, you know, they put you on an antibiotic to uh, basically... Uh, clear up some infection you know with the tissue around your tooth and shit and stop the tooth decay uh in parts of your tooth and then they'll give you like ibuprofen for pain and then they'll give you um hydrocodone um and shit i got a whole i got shit probably about and they only prescribe them like kind of short like 10 at a time or whatever uh, my dentist does and shit i think i got about 30 or 40 in a bottle right now i just combined them all in a bottle because i had like four I had a lot of work done on my teeth in the past two years. And so, yeah, I got a full-ass bottle. I might have to head out to White Flight Omaha and, you know, start selling them goddamn things, you know, 20 a pop, you know. But it is what it is. Uh, but that was just fascinating to see this study come out and it worked in reverse. It actually saved, you know, uh, you know, tens of thousands of lives. Um, but that still doesn't dismiss the fact that, you know, um, in modern medicine, you know, um, there's still prejudice going on and shit like that. I know a lot of times, um, especially like our sisters when they giving birth and stuff like that and, you know, the doctors be dismissing their pain and then next thing you know, you know, that sister then died, you know, in the, you know, while giving birth and shit like that and, um, a lot of times it's just you know misdiagnosis and shit like that there's been stuff where i've been misdiagnosed and i'm just like wait wait and then get a second opinion like oh you fine you know what i'm saying so um then there's shit where they just can't explain it you know uh shit going on i, I got a bunch of stories but i probably won't tell them uh, about just different diagnoses you know with family and friends you know being misdiagnosed with shit or uh, underdiagnosed you know and you know and then it go get a second or third opinion and it's actually something more serious you know but they write you off because you know they look at you as a fucking animal or some shit you know so you know this was a situation where it actually protected a few thousand black folks but it still doesn't dismiss the fact that you know these black folks were in pain you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, it just, you know, it kind of prevented them from being addicted. But at the same time, they didn't get that immediate relief that those uh, those opioids do. Because I remember, man, I took one of them hydrocodones and I was like, damn, I feel like I'm leaning on that heroin. I was like, you know what? I'm cool on this. I just doubled down on them big ass uh, ibuprofen that they give you big ass 800 milligrams of ibuprofen and i was like this shit i have you fucked up and leaning boy how you fucked up in the game but um and then you know what was crazy uh the research didn't show if you know those people that you know the black folks that didn't get opioids where they prescribed like an alternative pain med you know like a you know um, prescription strength ibuprofen or something like that but um man it's just 
it is wild it is wild like even with um you know prescription companies um like drug companies um trying to you know push those new drugs those new opioids out even further that study some of the studies showed that even black patients like who were dealing with hospitals that were you know kind of sponsored by drug companies and trying to pursue those uh, persuade those doctors to kind of fill in that gap they still wouldn't even giving them them folks them opioids them black folks them opioids and um you know it's one of the, it's just the biases you know it's just thinking that black folks gonna sell them or become addicted to them and you poisoning your own community i mean you just look how some of these people just geeked out and just on that shit um it's just yeah it's crazy and you know what's funny is you know they try to look down their nose at folks you know who was out here smoking that rock or shooting that hair on but you know just because a doctor prescribed you something you know you in there scratching and itching like a fucking crackhead and you going back to your fucking doctor you know uh lying about some back pain or some knee pain or some neck pain because they can't really measure pain and you're just like okay just give me another prescription of this you know this hydrocodone or whatever these oxys these perks or whatever so you know this is something where it kind of backfired but at the same time you know like i said before black folks were suffering suffering in pain but this is like the true definition of selling hope like dope you think you out here you know doing some bullshit and you actually out here you know thinking you you doing some shit to improve the race or whatever you thinking with your bigoted ass as a doctor dr bigot and uh you know you up here saving black lives you know on the back end so now you're like oh shit i done fucked up now but you know these pharmaceutical companies they be having such huge kickbacks to these hospitals to get folks hooked on them new designer drugs and shit that you know it really don't matter if they poisoning their own people you know it's just as long as they get that you know get them them patients up out their face and get that paper in their pocket but that has been selling hope like damn dope this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l Alright, so moving on to holding this L, before we hand out the first L of the new decade, um, I have to shout out uh, Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry for basically, you know, just uh, stepping back or stepping down from uh, senior royal duties to really focus on themselves, um, become financially independent um, uh, from the royal family, and they're going to... I guess live between you know North America and the UK and um, I know Megan she really didn't seem too happy you know we all saw that interview clip when that um, the interviewer was asking her you know how is she doing is she all right and she was about to break down and start crying and saying she wasn't all right because I know her black ass was going through hell you know with that royal family and then we seen so many stories on like the Daily Mail um us weekly and stuff like that between rifts between you know the royal family and her and harry and shit like that and then the siblings you know um you know william and harry not getting along and shit like that so kudos to harry for uh sticking with his wife you know what i'm saying if she ain't happy you ain't happy you know what i'm saying so big ups to him for you know sticking out with his wife and uh you know doing what's best for her and uh you know i hope hopefully you know they thrive and you know you know happy wife happy life you know that's really how it goes so shout out to uh her and him for being supportive and being like yo we can 
you know, step down from these formal duties and, you know, we can live our best life. So they won't have any trouble becoming uh, financially independent away from that royal family. But holding this goddamn L for the first uh, decade, for the first person of this decade in 2020, uh, we have to give it to the young man, uh, Justin Bieber. We have to. Uh, this man released a song called Yummy. Um, the video came out a couple days ago, and the song is terrible. It's terrible. This man is in the video hitting the woe. Um, he's singing over and over, girl, you got that yummy. Um, it's trash. Um, it's terrible, but I think it's one of those songs where it's like, okay, let me get these niggas back on, uh, you know, my side. You know, let me start doing some shit like that. And uh, it ain't working. Uh, shout out to the young homie uh, Roddy Rich out of uh, L- after out not L.A. but Compton. A young brother, he uh, he dropped his album. What was it last? Was it last month? December? Excuse me for being uh, antisocial. Um, so that dropped and the box, the song, the box is actually blocking Justin Bieber's yummy from climbing the charts via Spotify on Spotify. So shout out to Roddy Rich because uh, he got some fire on that album. But uh, yeah, don't go. Don't even go watch that goddamn video. It's just Justin Bieber in a pink hoodie dancing, you know, trying to hit the woe and talking about, girl, you got that yummy, that yummy, that yummy. And it's just like, no. And you know what's going to happen. Terrestrial radio going to play the hell out of it. And they're going to keep on trying to push it. And then they're going to start trying to push it on so-called urban radio. And uh, so it can pick up some spins and shit like that. And then it'll probably, uh, then what will happen, they'll try to go the Lil Nas X route with the song. And try to create some kind of dance on TikTok or something like that. Or create a bunch of TikToks with the yummy song in the background to try to make it blow up. Uh, via like Lil Nas X did with Old Town Road or like when Drake album was struggling uh, Shiggy made that you know that Shiggy challenge you know with that song Kiki do you love me so there might be some kind of little viral dance song but niggas don't fuck with Justin Bieber I ain't fucked with him at all you know ever since uh, I know Usher discovered him but when he came out you know making them racist jokes and shit like that um it never was cool. I just we just saw another culture vulture. We saw another Justin Timberlake coming out the woodworks and shit like that. And speaking of uh, Justin Timberlake, I know he's working on a new album. I think it was back in I want to say November or October. They were talking about he was working on a new album and it listed all these black names and shit. I think he was like working with like Meek Mill and all these other people because he tried that that goddamn man of the woods. He thought he could cross over and be uh he thought he could go back to being a, a white boy, <laughs> making that white boy music. He's like, this ain't it. You know, this ain't working. This uh, man of the woods shit ain't working. This this uh, this blue eyed soul ain't working. I need some 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 niggas to sprinkle some magic on these tracks i need to get back with timberland and the neptunes so <laughs> be be on the be on the lookout for that shit coming uh that'll be coming soon and he'll get some some negroes to hop on that you know he'll open that coon door and you know somebody will come on through with five six chains on their neck you know bigging them up and all that other bullshit but uh justin bieber this ain't your comeback this ain't it um that yummy bullshit uh, it is disgusting. Um, you know, this is um, 
you know, I give this uh, half a star. I would not be back to this restaurant. I would not be back to listen to this album or this song. But I will tell you to hold this L. Get your mans. You win. Perfect. All right, so moving on to Not All Heroes Wear Capes. Um, we have to give it to um, the brothers that started up the uh, Marathon Book Club. Um, so the Marathon Book Club is book clubs across the country that's based off of um, books and uh, that uh, the brother Nipsey Hussle, reps, rest in peace, um, books in, that he uh, spoke about in interviews and rapped about. Uh, the, if you actually listen to a lot of his interviews, he's very bright. So you can tell that he, he reads a lot. Uh, the brother reads a lot like a lot like you can he, he just you know pulls out different quotes and teachings from different uh philosophical books so a lot of these brothers once nipsey uh you know he was murdered back in march of last year um these brothers a lot of brothers started up uh you know the marathon book clubs across the country and so basically they're reading books that nipsey talked about you know in interviews and that he rapped about and uh there's a list of them uh a lot of these brothers let me name some of them it's like rj harris uh, rashad drakeford Dion pouncil and deron cash and uh it all a lot of these um they came from a meme that was posted by a woman named uh simran uh kalika uh, in her uh, Twitter handle, she posted this on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is the Sim City, and uh, but City is spelled with a S, so it's T H E S S I M S I T Y. And uh, people keep on hitting her up, and you know, um, telling her like, "Well, Nipsey was talking about this book and that book," so she she always updates the uh, the list on the meme. And uh, so I just think that think that that is amazing. The L.A. Times ran an article about those brothers. And there's a couple of Hispanic cats, too, um, who are a part of that book club and is getting brothers to read. And I love it. I love it so much. Once that article dropped online, people were uh, kind of shitting on uh, Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power. They were. Um, kind of you know talking about it like if a man reads this you know he's a misogynistic blah 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 misogynoir blah 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 blah. you know he's trash he's committed a bunch of felonies and all this other shit and what the uh, 48 laws of power does it breaks down different um schemes uh that a lot of historical figures use to obtain power uh, so if you ever read the book, you know that, you know, it, it talks about the law. It gives an example. Well, it gives you it defines the law. Then it gives you an example of it being used in history. And then um, it talks about, you know, how you can apply that to your life. And um, and it's a great book to study on racism, white supremacy, because a lot of those tactics are used uh, to keep the system in place so it's a very genius book to actually read along the lines just just the same as uh, Sun Tzu's uh, The Art of War you know I got that sitting on my desk right now and um, 
So I saw a lot of people joking and shit online uh, on Twitter about that, but I think niggas was just bored at work. They was kind of tight that they had to be back at work this past Monday. Um, but don't let that discourage you from reading that book because it's a very, very good book. There are some deceptive tactics in that book, but there are some great lessons in there too. Some very, very good lessons in there like... Uh, was the one that's about like avoiding the the drowning man uh you know people that's always you know down and out on their luck and they always you know and you 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 know you spend so much time and energy helping that person but it's actually they're drowning and they pulling you down with them while you're trying to swim and shit like that and a sinking boat uh that's a great law and there are some other ones too and it just really helps you to think like a chess player especially in the corporate world when you have to play the um, office politics games it helps a lot uh, with that and there's also another great book to help you out with office politics I think it's called Shaking Hands with the Devil uh, it's up in my bookcase I, I ain't about to run upstairs and look and try to find it but I think it's called Shaking Hands with the Devil and that's basically how to negotiate with higher ups uh, like your supervisor, your manager or whatever about getting a raise and things like that and how to actually play the office politics games to win uh, but The 48 Laws of Power is a great book, an amazing book um, you know uh, a lot of people were talking about uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad um, and that shit, you know, just you know, I just love to see brothers reading. I do, because for so long, you know, they always have that joke. If you want to keep something from a nigga, you put it in a book. You know what I'm saying? They always do shit like that. Um, but it's just amazing to see these brothers out here reading. And it don't matter what you read. You know, nobody was, you know, judging other folks when they reading them them slutty ass, uh, you know, them them dusty ass, uh, them, uh, them street noir novels and shit like that like ain't nobody judging folks by that reading them uh them greasy ass books that <laughs> them dusty ass books but um yeah so i just kind of find that funny that we're making fun of people who read books like that's just weird to me that's weird and you know, a lot of these folks tweeting the last book that they read you know was a 12 tweet thread that's the last thing that they really read you know what i'm saying but I love that, you know, just how Nipsey is inspiring so many brothers to get their mind sharp and to get their business game on point. You know, I hate to see that brother go, but, um, you know, he really he really is, you know, the 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 ideal street hustler turn legit. You know what I'm saying? You see a lot of those these guys in the streets you know who kind of dabble back into the game you know they might you know try to flip legit and that money come a little bit too slow so they try to jump back in it but the game then changed a little bit so then they end up you know dealing with some snake ass people and getting locked up for you know a bunch of years and shit like that and they end up losing their barber shop or you know their car detail shop and shit like that or their gas station you know um convenience store so um yeah, Nip was just, uh, you know, neighborhood Nip was just one of them people that, you know, you you just knew that, you know, this is a street dude, but he just went legit and he was just very smart, a very smart young man. So um, just to see him, 
inspiring a group of men to create book clubs you know brothers having book clubs you know that's kind of unheard of you know even in the uh, academic realm you know even for the uh the uh, so-called collegiate crowd you know a lot of times brothers have them book clubs just to get through homework and shit like that but to do it recreationally that's amazing so um just shout out to everybody who's a part of that marathon book club that's amazing and i have nothing but love and respect for y'all out there all right so moving on to the last segment of the show health over wealth you know what i say without your health you cannot enjoy your wealth so i do not have a quote for you i just have some advice uh heading into we are in 2020 you know we are what a week into it uh almost two weeks into it and what i have to say to you guys out there i know i gave y'all a resolution a couple weeks back telling y'all that you know you need to start getting paid and stop get, having fucking pizza parties, you know, at your job when you do something extra for them. They need to start paying you and not throwing you a goddamn pizza party. Um, but the thing is, uh, in 2020, I want us to start, you know, watering our own lawns, you know, taking care of business at home, taking care of yourself first, then taking care of home, you know, making sure your cup is full and, um, that's what I want y'all to do is really take care of yourself this year. You know, it's just, you know, don't look at other folks. We living in this social media age. Don't look at other folks, um, you know, highlight reel. And, you know, you're not seeing the behind the scenes. You know, I want you to focus on yourself. Water your own lawn. Don't get caught up in the grass is greener over there because it ain't. You know, that grass could be spray painted. It could be turf. It could be, you know, fake plastic grass over there. It just looks pretty on the outside. OK, so work on yourself, nourish yourself. And one thing that I want you guys to remember is to do not apologize uh, for working on yourself and elevating. Don't do that. Don't don't do that just because your star is starting starting to shine and you got folks around you who kind of looking at you funny and trying to pull you back down so you get to you know kind of you know dimming your star now so you can be in that misery loves company area you know what i'm saying it might be family it might be friends who hate to see you elevating you know if it's something as small as you know going to the gym for the first time getting on the treadmill you know what i'm saying uh working out you know two three times a week you know or something as little as uh you know taking that step to finding a, a therapist to work out your your internal issues that you have going on to be a better you you know don't let nobody try to shame you and uh tell you that you just need jesus instead of you know seeing dr robin or some shit like that you know what i'm saying and uh so don't don't let nobody pull you down while you're elevating and then what helps me is this I, I read an article on like thought catalog and it was saying that you need to be comfortable being the villain in someone else's story you know what i'm saying um whether it's the truth whether it's a lie some some big mistake you made in the past you have to be comfortable being the villain in that person's story you know what i'm saying but you have to you know you have to remember that you ain't that person from the past anymore 
you know, you're moved on, you elevating, you're not that person no more. But still, you have to be comfortable being that villain in that person's story because you can't say, you know, that you 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 wasn't this, you didn't do that, they remembered it the wrong way. You just don't have that right. It's their story. You see what I'm saying? And on top of that, you're just adding stress to your life, reliving an old painful event. So just remember that, okay? This has been episode 172 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. I feel like I shorted y'all a little bit, uh, but I missed y'all. The game was heavy um, in this last part. But um, as always, I love y'all, and I will see y'all next week. And I think I'll continue the trend of dropping like mini episodes and things like that. Um, it's just be a little tough to put them out, but I will. And I'm going to be on this grind, and y'all going to be right there with me. And I will see y'all, all right, next week. One.